0: Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.
1: Everyone looks pretty dry so far, but I heard that it was a little challenging getting here for our second service. We've had a great time so far this morning in God's presence. I know He has something special in store for us today. Before we get into God's Word, I wanted to take a few moments to just bring you as a church up to speed with some exciting announcements about uh, what the Lord's doing and where He's leading us. Uh, one of them has to do with our worship search process. And if you've been a part of our church for uh, any Bit of time, you uh, are aware that for the last six months we've been looking for our next worship pastor to lead us uh, in worship on Sunday mornings and work with our worship ministry. Uh, we began that search at the beginning of of January, and we've been continuing that search uh, up until this point in time. We've had a great team that has come alongside of me to assist in that process, and I want to take a moment to just let you know who those people are that have been a part of our worship pastor search team. Uh, it has been chaired by one of our deacons. Her name is Asha Abraham. I don't know if Asha is in our second service or not today. She normally sits right around here. But Asha, who is one of our new deacons, uh, was chairing that, uh, that team. Uh, also, we had as a part of that one of our elders, Ed Sigamani. Ed's right here. Ed was one of them. Ed, would you stand up just so people could see who you are? Ed, appreciate him. He's one of the elders that serves uh, alongside of me. Uh, we had, uh, from our staff, we had two. Of, uh, one of our pastors, another staff member, Pastor Nancy Tonneson. Pastor Nancy, would you stand? We appreciate you. Uh, and our Director of Operations, Chris Marinello. Hey, Chris. <laughs> uh, and one of our worship team members, Eric, who you saw playing guitar. I think Eric already headed out, so we appreciate Eric as well. Uh, and the team had come together, and they Uh, went through different resumes. We had over 25 people that reached out that showed and expressed interest in uh, this opportunity and in this position. Uh, We were looking for a pastor of worship arts that could provide that spiritual leadership to this important part uh, of our church. As we went through that process and the team searched and sought the Lord, most importantly, uh, they narrowed that down to a few candidates and then finally to one individual that they presented as the one they felt the Lord was leading us towards. Uh, We've now spent the last weeks uh, continuing to meet with that individual, uh, myself, praying and seeking the Lord, and today I'm excited to tell you that we have a new worship pastor here at Evangel Church. Praise God. (laughs) After our months of searching and after us seeking the Lord and looking, not just around the country, but we actually receive resumes from around the world, uh, we are able to land on someone that actually is in our own backyard. (laughs) We didn't have to look beyond Clark, New Jersey to find our next worship pastor, Uh, and his name is Pastor Rick Jerusik. Pastor Rick Jerusik is going to (laughs) be... Joining us and uh, Pastor Rick, uh, if you don't know him, he's led us in worship a few weeks ago. He's led us twice actually in a little over the last month. Um, Pastor Rick has a long uh, history and experience and multi- multiple churches in the area of worship. He's a graduate of Zion Bible Institute, um, which I know that many of our staff is from. Pastor Kerry, Pastor Marcia, Pastor Ron are all graduates. So uh, us Valley Forge guys, me and Oliver, we're getting outnumbered now, but that's okay. Uh, pastor Rick, anointed uh, man of God, loves the Lord. He spent some time with the Brooklyn Tabernacle on staff with them, uh, working with their worship ministry. And most recently, he was the senior worship pastor at Christ Tabernacle, which is an offshoot of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in uh, Queens, New York. And so, um, so Pastor Rick and his family are now going to be joining us. They've sensed the Lord calling. We've sensed the Lord as well, and we're so excited to be able to welcome them uh, this morning and actually invite him and his wife Jess up to the platform today. Would you join me in welcoming him?
0: I asked Pastor Rick for you would just take a moment and just share a few words of greeting with you this morning. Good morning, church. It's so, so great to be here and so exciting for us to be a part of the Evangel family. Um, our journey for us as far as the transition began in 2016, um, probably further back than that, but won't get into history of all that. But as the Lord was stirring our hearts, he just made one thing very clear for us. that in in God says in Ecclesiastes that There's a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, and so on and so forth. But there's a a, a season for everything. And we know that in this season, God is going to do something new in our family. But I'm confident God has something brand new for evangel. And I am so excited to be able to be a part of that. I want to thank Pastor Chris, the entire search committee, Melanie, the board. Everyone's been so gracious. And church, you have a great leadership. And uh, I, I want you to honor them because they've really done due diligence. And uh, so we are excited. as is my wife, Jessica. And Jessica is such a blessing. Uh, we have four children, and they all escaped from our grasp this morning. So uh, our 22-year-old just graduated from School of Visual Arts in Manhattan, uh, Chelsea. Our 18-year-old is a student in Moravian College in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. 18-year-old. That's Jacob. Uh, Aaron is 13 years old. Aaron plays drums for Vintage Youth sometimes. And um, and Ethan Samuel are one and a half year old, almost two year old. So we uh, go from cradle to college here. We like, like, we're excited about that. So <laughs> it's a blessing for us. We're so glad to be here and excited to just be a part of this family. Thank you so much.
1: Amen. Praise God. Thank you. I'm gonna invite uh, some of our staff, our deacons and our elders, any of you that are present, would you come forward? And uh, we're just gonna pray over Pastor Rick and over his family. For this season, we do sense above everything else that this has been God's doing, that he is really ordaining and setting us up for something very special uh, in this next season that he's leading us into. And so we're going to pray just for the Lord to meet us during this time and lead and guide and anoint them for the work that he's setting them apart for now. Lord, we thank you that as we look to your word, Lord God, that just as we see in the book of Acts how the people, the men of God and the, and the leaders, Lord God, they came and they laid hands, Lord God, and they prayed that you would set apart, Lord, your servants for the work that you have. Lord, we come now, Lord God, in in accordance with your word, Lord God. We lay hands on Pastor Rick right now, Lord God, and on Jess, Lord God. We anoint this family, Lord God. Lord, thank you for what they've meant, Lord God, to the body at Christ's tabernacle. Thank you for 12 years of faithful service, Lord God. Thank you for the many ways that they've been a blessing, Lord God, and seen many lives changed. But Lord, now you've set them apart for a new work. And so we pray today, Lord God, would you anoint them for this work. Holy Spirit, rest upon him. Give him the mantle that he would need to lead. At this hour, Lord God. Lord God, would you mend our hearts together, Lord God? Blend them together, Lord, so that we could lift one voice together to bless and glorify the name of Jesus, Lord God. Thank you for him. Thank you for his family. And thank you, above all, for your calling, Lord God. Anoint him now, Lord. We thank you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Bless you. amen. God is good. Are you excited, church? We're excited for a new season that the Lord is bringing us into. You'll be able to start to see Pastor Rick in the next weeks ahead of us uh, getting more involved. Please go out of your way to welcome him and his family uh, during this time. Well, before we move on, I could not uh, allow this kind of announcement to go forth without also acknowledging uh, the season that we've been walking through. And Uh, We've been walking through a time of transition and a time of us waiting on the Lord for the one that the Lord would be setting apart for this position and for this leadership role. And so during this time uh, where we would normally have a staff member helping to provide leadership inside of our worship department, instead we've seen a tremendous effort from our entire worship ministry to rise up to work together and for many volunteers to come and help provide the leadership and provide excellent worship every single Sunday. And so I can't thank them enough, thank the entire worship ministry for the excellent job they've done. Haven't they done a great job, church? I think back on our Easter services and some of the very special services that we had, and it couldn't have been without them. And so thank you to every worship leader, every uh, person that sings, everyone that's been a part of that ministry. And uh, there's one... Special individual that I want to acknowledge today. They don't really want to be acknowledged, but it's going to happen anyways. Uh, whenever we were going through this transition, we ha- we appointed someone to be our worship coordinator. And it was a volunteer role where they gave of their time, they gave of their energy above and beyond their job, and their career, and the many other demands on life and ministry. And uh, she stepped up and she provided the organization, the leadership uh, to our worship ministry during this time, she's done a tremendous job. Um, I believe that that's evidenced through our great Easter services, through many of the great services we had, and through new people that have been raised up and released in their giftings here in our worship department. So I wanna take a moment to thank Melanie Carmen for your incredible work and for what you've done. Mel, would you come and join us? And Church, would you show your appreciation to her for her leadership and guidance? I love you, Mel. Mel is a given of her time She's given up her energies. Yeah, she's done a tremendous job. Huh? <laughs> and Mel's not going anywhere. This is home for Mel. But she's done a great job. And uh, we just have a small token. Mandy's gonna come and join me. We just wanted to give you something to bless you for, uh, for that Mel, and so enjoy uh, these flowers. And uh, may the Lord just continue to, uh, to bless you and keep you. And I know that um, Mel and I got to know each other a lot over the last six months, talking almost every single week or multiple times a week over the worship sets and um, and I know she would tell you as well that she couldn't have done what she does without the great work of our worship leaders, uh, our worship team members, everyone's flexibility. And so thank you again. And I just want to say a prayer over uh, Melanie and also over those that have served at this hour. Uh, just that God would bless them, keep them, and continue to prepare them for what's in store for us. So church, would you extend a hand right now as we just lift this up in prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for Melanie for her leadership. Lord God, for the way that you've set her apart and the way that you've used. Used her Lord, so strategically at this hour, Lord God, thank you for this uh, leadership, the organization, and for the many hands that have come around to support her, to help her, Lord God to guide. I thank you for the worship leaders, Lord God, and for those that have uh, been risen up at this hour, Lord God, to provide uh, leadership, to provide ministry, Lord God, and to help us continually enter into your gates with thanksgiving and praise. Lord, I thank you at this hour we could have just treaded water, Lord, we've seen advancement. We've seen you continuing to grow and stretch. And I thank you for the foundation that's been laid, Lord God, so that we can continue forward. Lord God, advancing all the things that you have for us at this hour. Lord God, thank you for Melanie's dedication. Lord, we pray you bless her, uh, keep her, and those that have served in your perfect peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, God bless. Thank you again Mel. Thank you. God is so good. God is so good. I'm so excited and blessed for what God has in store for us. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can open with me. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. We are in a series of messages right now, and the title of this series is Suit Up. And we're going through the armor of God that we read about in Scripture because the Bible says that we are involved in a very real war and a very real struggle. And it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual entities, powers, Uh, that set themselves up against the will and the purposes of God. And so whether you know it or not, uh, you are engaged in a battle. If you belong to Christ, you need to know you have a target on you, and you're engaged in it. And so therefore, if we are engaged, we need wisdom, we need understanding, we need insight to understand how we are to stand and how we are to walk through this life and live while we're engaged in this kind of battle that's an ongoing spiritual struggle um, against God's will, against God's purposes uh, we don't want to live in ignorance, but we want to understand his word and how we can be prepared in every way. And so Paul likens it to armor that you would put on. And every day you would go through the process of putting on this armor and standing firm against all the things that would come against you in this life. Uh, and so. As we go through this, we're going through kind of piece by piece and taking a look at each piece of the armor and getting some deeper understanding into what that means and represents for us in our lives today. Uh, A few weeks ago, we talked about the belt of truth. And last week, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness that guards us uh, and keeps us and protects us. Just like a breastplate would protect the heart and the vital organs, the breastplate of righteousness is meant to protect us. And it's only because of Christ's righteousness on us and applied to our lives Well, as we get into the message for today, we're going to look at a piece of the armor that we can often neglect and not pay much attention to, but it's so vitally important. I believe that this is even further reflected, if you'd think with me, about uh, the sporting world around us at this time. Right now, uh, in sports, there are two world championships happening simultaneously. There is the N. The NHL Stanley Cup Finals, that's the World Championship of Hockey uh, for the NHL. And you have the NBA Finals taking place. And they're taking place simultaneously. Do I have any Warriors fans in the house? All right, do I have any Cavaliers fans in the house? Do I have any Penguins fans in the house? Yeah, that's me. Uh, do I have any San Jose Sharks fans in the house? Good. No, don't you clap. We're in for the Penguins. This house will serve nefts no. <laughs> No, but, uh, but we have these four teams that are all looking to win and to become world champions at that which they have disciplined themselves, prepared themselves for their entire lives for. And so I, I wanted to, you know, show you that we see, you know, Sidney Crosby and the, the Penguins uh, that as, as they're playing and skating and playing at the top of their game. You'll see the San Jose Sharks, and they're doing an amazing job. They won last night in overtime. You see LeBron James. I think that, uh, that it should just be decided, I guess, at the beginning of every season that whatever team LeBron James is playing for, they're just going to be in the finals at the end of the year. I think it's been six years in a row uh, between two teams that every year he's in the finals. Uh, What an incredibly gifted athlete. And then you have the Golden State Warriors. And so as these teams are facing off, uh, whether in basketball or in hockey, it's very important to consider with me um, the gear that they have, the way that they suit up and they prepare to play the game. And if they don't suit up right, it could actually cost them uh, everything. Now here's the way I want you to think about this with me. I want you to imagine with me that we have these four teams that are playing. Could you imagine today... If the Golden State Warriors, this team that's playing in the NBA Finals, showed up to their game wearing what the San Jose Sharks normally wear in their game? Could you imagine with me what that would be like if they showed up to play against LeBron James and they're not wearing sneakers, they're not wearing their foot gear, instead, they're wearing ice skates? Do you think that one of the teams would have a bigger advantage over the other? Do you think one of the teams would win and one of the teams would lose quickly? Yes. Could you imagine with me that the San Jose Sharks showed up to play in what the Golden State Warriors normally wear? And on the ice, there they are running around trying to skate against these superstars wearing basketball shoes. That would not work, would it? So what you're wearing on your feet is vitally important when it comes to playing at that place and being at that place and ultimately securing that victory. The same is true the Bible teaches us, that if we're going to prepare ourselves in every way, if we're going to put on the whole armor of God, we don't just think about the shield and the sword and the helmet and the breastplate. We even need to think all the way down to how our feet have been fitted and prepared for what's in store for us, and what we are taking part in. So let's look together in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15. Here's what it says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. To have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now as Paul is sharing that He's sharing this, but he's also hearkening back to an Old Testament scripture that he's referencing through this. It's found in Isaiah chapter 52, verse seven. Here's what it says. It says, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. How beautiful is it are the feet of those that would bring this good news, that would proclaim peace, that would bring good tidings that would proclaim salvation. Isaiah is saying that that's the best news and those that would carry that news, blessed are their feet as they're walking to bring about this great news. Could you imagine today someone that's living in a hopeless circumstance who has no other hope than nothing that they can turn to and someone comes walking in to share exactly what they need to hear in their most desperate hour. I could imagine That doctor that's walking down a hall when someone needs a heart transplant and they come walking in the room and they say, we have the match. I mean, you would just be so blessed. It would be so beautiful to see everything about the way that they walked. Bless your feet as you walked in that you were able to come and you were able to tell me this. This is the picture. This is the image that Isaiah is painting. That those that would have the opportunity, those that would have the privilege of bringing good news, of being able to proclaim salvation. Salvation means that there is an ability to be saved and rescued and delivered. For someone to bring that kind of hope, that kind of news, beautiful or even their feet as they carry that news and bring it to others. As we look at this passage of Scripture, as we look at this piece of the armor, It has everything to do with what we're talking about here and what we see in Isaiah and what we see echoed throughout the pages of Scripture. That as we are being suited up, as we're being prepared, many of the things that we're being prepared for are so that we can stand firm so that we could stand. And you see that, that statement made again and again as it talks about the armor of God because we are not fighting in a war that is yet to be won. We have one that the victory has already been secured by Christ. And now what we do is we stand firm. We resist the enemy, and the Bible says he will flee from us. And so we stand firm, and we stand there suited up, knowing that we're protected by all that Christ has done for us. But when we look at the feet, we see something here. That it isn't just about standing, but it's about advancing. It's about moving forward. Because it says your feet need to be fitted and ready to move. And so we see this, and let's take a deeper understanding on first what shoes meant and what shoes would mean to someone that is being suited up in armor and prepared for battle. Shoes were not just shoes. They weren't dress shoes, and they weren't just um, You know, athletic shoes or tennis shoes, these shoes were specially fitted and formatted for battle and to prepare someone for exactly what they have been set out and commissioned to do. And there are three attributes that we can see if you go back into this time and into this place and understand about what would make a shoe something that would become the difference between victory and defeat. There are three common elements that we're seeing inside of how a shoe was made. First was how much traction the shoe had. Because these men, they would need to travel sometimes up to 20 miles, 30, 40, 50 miles at a time. And they would march and they would go. Well, as they're going over all kinds of different terrain, they needed not all-terrain tires, they needed all-terrain shoes that would have traction. Because if they were too flat, if they were, if they were too slippery and slick, then they would fall, they would trip, and they would be compromised in what they're trying to do. So traction was the first thing. The second was protection. The feet, even down to the feet, needed to be protected. Because I want to tell you, it's great if the breastplate is on you and you are not able to take a spear to your chest. But I want to tell you, if your feet become compromised, then you're a sitting duck waiting and you could be attacked so easily. If it compromises even down to your feet, then you could find yourself unable to do that which you thought and hoped you could do. I remember this back to my high school days. I had the opportunity to play football for a few years. Um, in high school, and as I played football, I uh, made it onto the team, but I wasn't the biggest guy, and I wasn't the most athletic one uh, there, and we had some incredibly gifted uh, athletes in my school, and I wanted to play running back, and I wanted to, uh, we had actually one position that was a running back that would go out and sometimes be a wide receiver on plays, and that's the position I really wanted, so I was probably fourth or fifth down on the depth chart, and uh, as I'm practicing, and we're getting down to the final uh, weeks of the year, our star players start to fall left and right Uh, some of them got into trouble and they weren't allowed and eligible to play anymore a few of them got injured one of them he broke his ankle and so he wasn't able to play and so it got down to me and a few other individuals there were still a few that were ahead of me but i got promoted up that i was on the practice squad and i would practice against the starters and so as we're playing and as i'm practicing i'm doing a pretty good job and the coach is impressed and he's he's practicing me more and more and then uh, one day towards the middle of the week, he takes me for the practice squad, keeps me there, and then he puts me in the starting practice squad as well against the, the backups, and so that's all the starters. So here I am practicing double duty, and I'm running through the plays. I'm giving it my 110%, and won't you know, right as we're getting ready for that game, a day before, I'm running around, and I twist my ankle. And so I'm, trying, I'm limping some, I wrap it with tape, and I feel like, you know what, I'm not going to say much, I'm just going to keep giving it my all. Well, I got the nod and I was able to be a starter that, that game in a couple different positions on the field, and as we are playing the game and as we get through it, there's one play that I'm hoping he's going to call, it's a play we practiced where I would come out of the backfield, fake like I was blocking the, the defensive end, and then I'd run all the way down the sideline and they'd throw like a Hail Mary pass uh, to, to my position. And so they call the play in the middle of the game, and I'm so excited. I'm thinking, this is a touchdown. I mean, no one, none of our players ever were able to defend against it. He calls hike. He goes out. I bump against the defensive end. I turn, and, and no one's blocking. No one's looking for me. No one sees me. I'm running up the sideline. He throws it, but I feel it in my ankle. I can't run it 100%. So I'm running. I'm kind of hobbling. Don't you know, it hits right off my fingers, right onto the ground. And I realize, even to this day, I think about it. I'm like, if I had my ankle wasn't as compromised, I think I could have got under it. And you say, sure, you could have, Pastor. Who knows? But, but I really thought so, and I was excited about it. Um, but I remember that, and I blame it on that. My ankle was compromised, and it hindered me from being able to do exactly what I should have and could have been able to do normally. The same is true of our feet. If they're compromised in any way, then you may not be able to do what you once were able to do. And so protection is vitally important. Not just traction, but that the feet would be protected by whatever you're wearing and whatever you're holding on to. And finally, mobility. You need to be able to be mobile and do exactly what you're doing. Think about mobility as these uh, basketball players. They would need the right kind of shoes that can allow them to stop and go and make cuts and uh, run to the basket and do everything that they could do. The skates need to be laced up in such a way so that the, the hockey player can skate and can, can be as mobile as possible and can get every competitive edge against their um, the one that they're facing in that time. So mobility is so vitally important if you want to have that victory. And so... You'd see for these uh, soldiers and those that were wearing Uh, their shoes, you can actually go back in history and see that there was a time that this made all the difference. Alexander the Great's armies became known as some of the greatest ones that have ever lived, and they had such great success against their enemies, not just because of their advanced weaponry and the other things, but it comes all the way down to the shoes that they were wearing. They became one of the fastest armies because of the armor that they wore, and therefore they were able to take more ground, they were able to move quicker, they had an edge against everyone that came against them and it had everything to do with how their feet were being prepared and fitted for the battle and so know that when the bible says that our feet need to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace this is vitally important do you know why because in the same way that every athlete and every soldier that i've just talked about each of them has a purpose something that they've been commissioned and they are committed to you and I, in the same way, we have something that we have been committed and commissioned to. Something we have been called to that we must be ready for. The Bible speaks of it. Now, you see, when we go and we say, what do the, the shoes represent? What do the actual shoes represent? I understand that they're important, that, they, that they're meant to protect the feet and allow for mobility and for traction. But what do the shoes actually represent? Now, some of you would say, well, it represents the gospel of peace, it says. No. It says our feet must be fitted with what? The readiness. Look in verse 15 here. It's up on the screen again. Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That we need to have a readiness. And that word there, translated from the Greek, is hetemesia, which literally means an agility or a preparation, that we need to be fitted with a readiness that comes from that derives itself from the gospel of peace. And so there needs to be an ability for us to be agile, for us to be nimble, for us to be quick, for us to be completely suited up and laced up. If you'd imagine with me that you know someone that you know, or maybe you are a hockey player yourself, and you receive news Guess what? You've been called up and it's time for you to play in the Stanley Cup Finals. You're playing. And they would say, great, when? When's the game? Is it tomorrow? Is it ne- next week? Or No, it's right now, right this second. Get on the ice. You'd say, well, I, I can't. I have to get suited up. I have to put on my outfit. I mean, it could take a, a hockey player over half an hour just to get everything laced up and ready and their, their skates sharpened, everything just right. And the Bible says, no, you have to be fitted with a readiness. That when that moment of opportunity comes, you're not then thinking about how you're going to get ready and prepared. You need to already be prepared in the moment. Are you following me, church? We need to have a readiness about us. We need to be laced up, ready, suited up, sitting there, ready in a moment's notice to jump in when the Lord would call us. That's what it means that we are fitted with a readiness that comes from what the gospel of peace. It's a readiness that comes from that which we have been commissioned to. See, the Bible says, in the same way that I've been talking about a purpose, a purpose of an athlete, a purpose of a soldier, there is a purpose of every child of God. Everyone that Paul has said needs to wear this armor of God. We have been committed and commissioned to something. The Bible speaks of it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We've been committed to bring reconciliation. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us something, the ministry of reconciliation. It's a calling. Go into verse 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We have been committed, you and I, to something. We've been committed to the message of reconciliation. Do you know what the message of reconciliation is? It is the gospel of peace. The message of reconciliation is the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. Do you want to know what the good news is today? That I was once dead, but now I'm alive. I was once blind, but now I can see. I was once in sin, but now Christ has forgiven me, and I'm a new creation. My past is gone. That today, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. That I have been forgiven. I have been set apart. I am a part of the family of God. That Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. That my home is in heaven. That I've been forgiven a debt I could never, ever repay on my own. That's good news. Is it good news for you? I hope it is. I hope it's something you praise God for every day. That we can li- you literally use every breath we have to praise Him. Why? Because we have good news. We have been the recipients of good news. In that message, it's a message of reconciliation. It's a message that we have been we have made peace with God. That we have been brought into a life changing relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. That at once. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that we have been separated from him, that we were in our sin, that we were hopeless. But when we were hopeless, Christ died for us. And our sins are now nailed to the cross with him, and we no longer live, but he now lives in us. That the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work within our lives, making us alive in Christ. This is the good news. This is the message of reconciliation, the gospel of peace that we have been made right with God again. Our relationship has been reconciled and restored. And so you and I, the Bible says, we've been committed. We've been committed to this message. We've been committed to this calling. We are meant to walk in that calling now all the days of our life. And when we've been reconciled to God, that changes everything. And for some of you today, you'd say, you know what, those are some big shoes to fill. To imagine that we have now been given this opportunity and this responsibility to carry the good news of Jesus to other people. Mandy uh, always has these little funny things that she'll surprise me with whenever I'm at work, and one of them is about our daughter. One of the first words I think she learned was this, the word shoe, and it was oosh, 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 and what she, what she learned before she learned many things, she learned what shoes are daddy's shoes and what shoes are mommy's shoes and what shoes are Lily's shoes, and now, you know, she'll soon learn what shoes are baby's shoes, Um, But Mandy sent me a really cute picture this week, and I thought it would be worthwhile to mention today. Uh, She found Lily walking around in our living room uh, with these shoes on, these ones. And she was trying to scoot around in in Daddy's shoes while I was at work. Uh, And I think about those big shoes to fill. Those aren't the shoes that are going to be fitted completely to her. And you and I, as we consider the grand commission that we've received, the incredible opportunity we have, to be those that bring the good news, the gospel of peace, that we have been called to go into all nations and to make disciples, to declare and to be those that would be literally ambassadors for Christ, to share with others the great news that Jesus saves, that there is hope beyond this life and beyond this pain and beyond anything that you're walking through. You can imagine with me, those are big shoes to fill, but guess what? He's fitted them just for you. He's fitted them just for you. And if you're willing to walk in them, then you will walk in them and you will be ready. They'll be laced up. They'll be perfect fit for you so that you can carry out the mission and plan that God has for you. And it's all about the gospel. It's all about lives being changed. It's all about the hope that we have in Christ. Because, you know, the gospel brings peace. Through the gospel, we now have peace with God. The Bible's clear on that. There's two things that have happened that we've been committed to in the gospel. The gospel of peace, and it brings us to peace with God. Why? Because Jesus died as a sacrifice for our sins. He died, and when he rose again, if we put our faith in him, then we can be reconciled and brought to peace with God. And so that's part of the good news that we can share. But the gospel doesn't just bring us to peace with God, but it also can bring us to peace with one another. And therefore, because we've been redeemed, because God has saved us, because of this reconciliation, we can even see reconciliation happening among the people of God and among uh, brothers and sisters that we don't have to be divided and, and completely apart anymore. You can see in this world that we can become so fractured, we can become so divided, so segregated against one another. But it's not the way the Lord would desire for his people to dwell together. It's amazing to see that when God's Spirit is being poured out and you'll see revival beginning to happen, that it begins to fade away all of those things that once divided us, that we're united by His Spirit and by His presence. I can think back to the early 1900s when the Azusa Street Revival was Uh, going through the west coast of our country and then sweeping through this country that at that time there was incredible segregation that people worshipped in different places dependent upon the color of their skin but something beautiful happened during the Azusa Street revival and I heard Dr. Wood who was with us a couple years ago he shared it like this he said the bloodline washed out the color line the bloodline of Jesus washed out every color line that would divide the people and you saw people of different tribe nation tongue all together all lifting one voice to god and it was a beautiful thing one of the things that whenever people would ask me what i'm most blessed by about evangel church is i'm so blessed because i believe that as we look out at this body we can see a picture of heaven we could see people from every tribe every nation every tongue that we could worship in one voice because i want to tell you church sunday morning this hour is still they say the most segregated hour in america but I want us to continually make those strides. I want us to continually be that body because I want when we worship here that as we transition out of this world into God's presence, well, we just feel that we're in that same place, that same company, that we can see God's people together in unity, reconciled, at peace, working, lifting up our praise to God together. It's a beautiful thing and it's all because of the gospel. It's all because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so the gospel brings us to peace with God and peace with one another. And as the worship team comes forward at this time, I want to speak to you, as I have last week, that there are going to be these, if this is the way that the gospel works and function, this is what our calling is to have our feet fitted, firmly ready, that whenever we have the opportunity, we're ready to spring into action and share that with others. There are going to be things that the enemy is doing, working very hard at, to undermine. To undermine. And in the same way, last week I talked about how he would want to undermine the breastplate of righteousness. It means to get underneath and to cause there to be a gap or separation. The same way, there can be a a, a gap, a separation, an undermining of what we are supposed to be committed to. It's as if our shoelaces are being untied or even being tied together. So when we go to run, we trip over ourselves. There are two things that he will continually want to undermine. And the first will be your peace with God. He will want you to continually not believe that you're at peace with God and try to do anything in his power to get God to become your enemy. You'll see this go back into Genesis chapter 3. He has not changed his ways in a very long time. One of the greatest things the enemy can do is try to convince you that God is your enemy. He will try to make God your enemy. And some of you today, you may think in some way, shape, or form that God doesn't love you, that he has it out for you, that he's trying to punish you, that he's not a good God or a good father like we sang about, but he's your enemy. And I want to tell you, if you came in here today believing that, then I want you to know you're believing a lie. He's not your enemy. There have been times when we've been his enemy. But he's for us, not against us. He loves us with the love of a father. He wants nothing more than you to turn your heart to him and to give your life to him. And if you already have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your savior, don't believe a lie that would undermine your literal walk with him by making you believe you're not at peace with him. The best way to be at peace with God is you walk in his righteousness, walk in his ways. If there's sin or something that's coming to try to undermine that peace, then turn from it and continue to walk with him. And the second way, in the way that the enemy uses like a weapon of mass destruction is he will try to undermine our peace with one another, especially brothers and sisters in the Lord and allow there to become divisions among us, allow a body to become fractured. And so you need to do everything you can to stand against the enemy, to pursue peace as the Bible says in every single way. Peace with those that are outside the household of faith, peace with those in the house of faith. You may know a, a co-worker, someone that's a believer, someone in your family that loves the Lord. They don't have to worship here to be a believer in Christ, but there's division there. Allow the Lord to heal that. Allow him to bring reconciliation in healing. So what keeps us, church? There are three things that keep us from really suiting up in this area. Because if this were a given, that we just walk in it, then it's one thing. But it says we have to have our feet fitted with the readiness It means we need to lace up the shoes. We need to be ready. What keeps us from doing that? What holds us back so often? There are three things. First is apathy. We have an apathy, just no real interest in seeing other people come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You see, if your feet are fitted, that means this. That means you're ready. It means you're standing on the sideline. You're ready to take every opportunity that you have to do what? To share the message of reconciliation, to share the gospel of peace, to share the good news with someone else about what Jesus has done in you. Maybe for some of us, there was a time in your life that you were so passionate about this, but today you've grown cold. Today, your zeal is gone. Today, you don't feel pricked anymore in your heart over those that you love that don't yet know Christ, that are gonna die and if they die before knowing him, that they would spend eternity without him. It it isn't touching your heart the way that it once did. For some of you, stop crying and weeping over your loved ones. I sat with some friends across the dinner table this week, and as we talked, they were sharing about family, and they just paused in the midst of their eating, and they just said, I just want my family to know Jesus before it's too late. Do you have people in your life? I just want them to know Jesus before it's too late. Have you stopped crying and weeping and praying and interceding for them? Don't stop. Don't let apathy take control of you. But have that passion, have that zeal, have that ability to take every opportunity to share with them. Don't allow any resistance or any discouragement to stop you in any way. Allow God's love for them to be formed in your heart. Love them the way Christ loves them, the way God loves them. John 3, 16, God so loved the world he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says this God, our Savior, desires that all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. It's his desire for that to happen. He doesn't want anyone to perish in sin. He's made a way. For some of us, we're living in this time right now between what Christ has done on the cross and between that and the time when he will appear again for us. And as we're living in this time, you could say it's felt like so long. But God has a purpose even in that pause. And in this season that we're in, here's the purpose. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says this, the Lord is not slow about his promise. Jesus promised that he would return. And guess what? It hasn't happened yet. You know Why? Because he's patient towards you. And he doesn't want anyone to perish but for all to come to repentance. He wants all to come to repentance. And I want to tell you, therefore, you and I need to be ready. We need to be fitted in every way. We need our feet to be standing, ready to jump in at every opportunity to share his love with someone else. To be those that carry the good news to others. The second reason why we don't do that besides apathy is wrong priorities. Our priorities are in the wrong place. Our priorities can be wrong and that will automatically stop you from lacing up and really being ready because your goal isn't to fulfill your calling then. It's just to have comfort in this life. And I want to tell you, if your end goal in life is to be comfortable, you're going to miss out on your calling. If your end goal is just to be comfortable, you're going to miss out on your calling. Because at some point in time, those two paths, they're diametrically opposed to one another. They're going in two completely different places. Because for you to fulfill your calling, ultimately, there will be times you are not comfortable. It stretches you. It helps you grow. We often go to places of comfort when we're done growing. When we're done with whatever it is that we're doing and whatever it is that we set out on. But I want to tell you, regardless of what your age is, if you're still breathing today, you still have a calling to fulfill. He's left you here for a purpose. And I'm going to tell you that I don't, I, I don't you know, mind if, if you have gone through this life and you now live in a retirement village, you don't work anymore, you're enjoying all the comforts of this life, that's great. But I want you to know spiritually, if you're still living, you're still in the race. If you're still breathing, God still has a purpose for you. He wants to use you. He wants to speak through you. So allow your priorities, each of us, not to be focused on our comfort, but on the calling He has for us. And finally, the biggest reason why we don't step out and we don't allow our laces to be tied up and our feet to be fitted with that readiness that comes and is called for to be a, one that brings the gospel of peace is because of fear. We're afraid of what people would think of us. We're afraid that we don't know enough. We're afraid of so many things that can come around us. But I want to tell you something today. We don't need to live by fear. We can live by faith. We could walk by faith. We could trust that God who called us and saved us and the Holy Spirit who has filled us will speak through us at that hour of need. And so don't wait until you feel like you know everything because you never will. But instead, focus on obedience and have a faith. Trust him. Take a step. And as you take that step, he'll meet you and then take another step. Continue to move forward by faith out of fear and he'll lead you and he'll guide you. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How can they call on the Lord to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. I want to be a messenger that brings good news. How about you? I want to be fitted in every way with a readiness that comes from the gospel, a readiness that comes from your calling in Christ to be ready to step out and be used by him at every moment, making the most of every opportunity as the day draws near. As we get ready to conclude our service today, we're going to conclude it in a different way. We're going to come to the Lord's table and we're going to remember the gospel of peace that has saved us. When I think about that word, and I, I go back to Luke chapter 19, and I'll put it here on the screen for you, Luke chapter 19, verses 41 and 42. It's here that Jesus, he's approaching on Palm Sunday, a little while before he's going to die for the sins of humanity, and as he's approaching, he's somewhere around the Mount Mount of Olives, and he's looking over, and he could see Jerusalem in the distance, and it's like he's looking over the city. And the Bible says that as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. And here's what he said. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. He wept because the people didn't know. They thought Jesus coming like a conquering king, that would bring them peace. But as he came, he wasn't coming as a conquering king, he was coming as a lamb to be sacrificed. And before he would be exalted as king of kings and lord of lords, he died a sinner's death on the cross. And that, Alone is what would purchase peace. I want you to know today, if you wonder where your peace will come from, it won't come from anything you can do. It won't come from your power, your strength, your intellect. It won't come from your good works. The peace can only come, the peace that the Bible speaks of that surpasses understanding, it can only come from what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. That's the only thing that can bring that kind of peace into your life. It's trusting in it. It's resting in it. And Jesus wept over the city as he realized that peace would cost him his very life. And as he got to the table with his disciples and he took bread, he broke it he said, this is my body, which is for you, which for what? for your peace. This is my blood that's poured out. Why? So that you can be at peace with God. So today, I want us to come to the table of the Lord and we're going to spend these last moments before we're dismissed reflecting on that sacrifice, what it meant to Jesus to give himself in every way And know that as we take this, we're not just receiving in his presence and acknowledging and honoring what he's done. But we're asking him, Lord, make me ready in every way so that I can carry this good news of what you've done to the whole world. You don't have to be a member of our church to take communion, but you have to be a part of God's family. So would you bow your heads with me this morning? And today you alone know if you're at peace with God. And it only comes through having a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you need to do that and want to do that, you know that you haven't done that yet, I want you to say this prayer with me in just a moment. It's going to be one where you ask him to forgive you and to give you that brand new life. But before we pray, I'd like to know if you're there. Say, Pastor, that's me. I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm far from God today, but I'm ready. I'm ready to have peace with him. I want to say that prayer. If that's you and you're ready to say that for the first time ever, or you're recommitting your heart and your life to him, You've been far from him for a while. No one's looking around. I want you just to lift your hand right now in the presence of God. I see you right here. Is there anyone else in the balcony on the main floor? Amen. Amen, I see hands going up in the balcony. I'm going to pray, and I want you to repeat these words after me. From the bottom of your heart, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. I will now follow you all the days of my life and walk with you forever. In your name I pray, amen. Amen, Lord, guard them in your perfect peace, we pray. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen. Amen.